The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. When you got a love and it's good like it should be Makes you never want to give it up Cause you know that some people die for love And I believe it's true cause I do the same for you Good morning, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California. Streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's the author of several books, including Negotiations, Breakthroughs, and Fighting for Love. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel, and she mediates business, employment, divorce, privacy, and other civil cases in her private practice in Laguna Niguel, California. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. She teaches leadership and conflict management courses at Brandman University and here at UCI, and she trains corporate leaders powerful communication and conflict transformation skills. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today our show is really about communicating with teenagers and Even though we're on the campus of the University of California, we have a lot of people driving by that have teenagers. We have people who will have teenagers. And we have, you know, some similar aspects with kids uh, that are teenagers as college students. So um, this is something that everybody really needs to know about. And, And in fact... I wish that um, when my kids were teenagers that I had some of this insight. Uh, I kind of had to learn a lot of it by trial and error. So we have this wonderful guest with us coming to us from Long Beach, California, just up the road by the beach. Christine Elisa is a traditional-based clinician, and she's also an alternative therapist. Her innovative work with adults, families, children, and therapists moves people through an effective transformational process, uh, uncovering and clearing issues of past abuse and trauma. And as a marriage and family therapist and alternative therapist in private practice for over 25 years, she facilitates a process that stretches the boundaries of conventional therapy and opens up pathways to new methods. And we're going to find out about what those are. Uh, She's been an international speaker and trainer of therapists for uh, over seven countries for the past 13 years. And um, she is the founder of Alternative Therapist Community, creating successful business models for alternative therapists and healers. And we can, um, she has two books that I have just been reading. One is called Wondrous Places of the Heart, Alternative Therapy with Children. And the other one is this great little book. It's called Your Amazing Itty Bitty Communicating with Your Teenager Book, 15 Essential Steps to Creating a Better Relationship with Your Teen. 
And that, again, is Christine Elisa. And, you know, this is so important because nowadays we're finding it's, it is hard to communicate with your kids because they want to do everything by text. So <laughs> even my uh, kids who are already just young adults want to do that. So communication is the key. So I want to just welcome you. And you can also, by the way, I want to give um, Christine's website is peacethroughmetamorphosis.com. And you can also go to conflicthealing.com and see her picture, her bio, the JPEGs of her book, and we link to her website. So thank you so much, Christine, for joining us this morning. Oh, thank you, Mari. I really appreciate being here today. Thank you. Yeah. So how is it that you came to to write this book, Wondrous Places of the Heart? Well, it's really based on all the work that I've done for all these years, helping families through all kinds of various issues that have come up, including uh, sexual abuse, physical abuse, mental abuse, um, self-esteem issues, dyslexia, ADHD. And what the book does is uh, puts together the information and the strategies that I've helped parents with all these years. And it includes case studies that have really been proven very successful in the work that I do uh, with all these different kinds of issues so that it's I've written it because um, I have this vision, uh, and it's kind of lofty, but it's very important to me, and that is a world free of abuse, mm. and and that's what I've worked with with trauma for many years. And so I wrote it as a way for really parents to have uh, a lot of guidelines and strategies on what to do when they are faced with these different kinds of problems that come up for them. Yeah, I love the way you have it set up with you have the case study and then you have strategies and then you have solutions. And I think this is this is great for parents because they've got something right in front of them that they can can use some of these steps. And then in your other book, you you really pare it down. Your little amazing itty-bitty communicating with your teenager, these 15 steps. I think it would be fun to go through some of these steps together, especially for people who you know, are going through this right now, or even parents who are dealing with a college-age student. I think a lot of this really applies to parents and children of, of any age, you know? <laughs> yeah, I- I agree, actually. They're just across the board. Yeah. 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 I think, you know, you talk about, let's talk about this one. I know this is the one I dealt with with um, my daughter for for years. Avoid power struggles. Why don't you talk a little bit about that one? (laughs) Yeah, that's a biggie, isn't it? It's like, um, you know, as parents, we're... We feel we're right, and we have the rules, and and we know we have the best guidance and the best information, and we want to do the best for our kids, but sometimes they disagree with that, and (laughs) and then we get in a power struggle with them. In other words, we're trying to convince them or, uh, you know, we're arguing with them, and and one of the things that really gets to us is that 
they push our buttons. Mm-hmm. You know, they're kind of masters at that. You know, they right. know what will get to us. <laughs> and so uh, when we get our buttons pushed and we go, oh, oh, my goodness, how... How dare you say that I don't care about you or I never let you do what you want, you know. Right. And so then we go on our own little, you know, journey elsewhere and and then the teen is just, or the college student or any kid, it starts arguing back and then you've kind of lost the whole conversation at that point. So I think power struggles to kind of step back from them, even though we want to go and get our point across, we're not really getting our point across because teens and young adults tend to turn us off. You know, you talked about they just go text or they go on their computers or their phones and they're gone. Right. You know, we've lost it. And so the challenge then is to bring the conversation back and and really engage them when they just want to turn us off. So I think power struggles are really rooted in us uh, having our buttons pushed because um, the more we can, you know, let that go and say, this is not a competition, I want to really just listen to my teenager or the young adult in my life and and listen to what's going on with them, even if they don't even know what's going on with them. Right, you know? and they often don't, you know. No. Mm-mm. But, you know, I think it's the same thing with couples. You know, I do divorce mediation now, you know, for 30 years, and I think it's the same thing, that people get into power struggles. So what the, the same things that you're telling parents to do with their kids are really the same thing that they need to be doing with each other, you know, which yeah. is not take personally when someone you know uh, starts telling you what to do and not to let your buttons get pushed and and that's probably the hardest thing right is just to put up your golden shields and um take some deep breaths and Mm -hmm. and not not react but wait and respond so uh, right yeah kind of step back and take a another look Mm-hmm. You know, another look, like, okay, wait a minute, Did was it the way I phrased it? Um, you know, how did the other person respond? You know, did I hurt their feelings? What what happened? You know, yeah. step back and, and look at it and uh, go what I call a little deeper. You know, I think a lot of times when we're, when we're in any relationship, uh, if our partner or our teenager um, get, gets reactive to us, like gets defensive and just wants to, oh, wait a minute, you know, back away, or how dare you say that, then we have, you know, gotten to them, but it's what's underneath that. Right. Have I hurt their feelings? Have I, you know, with parents, I think a lot of times they feel disrespected. Right. And even in relationships. Sure. Now, I mean, I, I saw a, a statistic late, lately about um, couples where uh, they did a survey and actually men uh, really said that one of the most important things for them was respect. Right. They needed to feel respect in a relationship, whereas women needed to feel loved. Right. So, you know, we all have a little different take on it. And so 
and that helps them with teenagers too. You know how you respond to a girl is going to be different than a boy. But I think knowing those things first helps us go. Oh, wait a minute! Did I do something to disrespect or? for them to not feel loved. Right. And sometimes their buttons get pushed and it has nothing to do with what you said. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I learned that over the years. And I and I think being the monkey in the middle that, that's, that I kind of call myself as the mediator when I'm sitting with people in conflict, you know, I'll hear something that one person says and it's totally benign, you know, and it, I, but the way the other person interpreted it back to something that happened to them either as a child or maybe in a past relationship that the buttons get pushed and all hell breaks loose and it had nothing to do with what the person said so sometimes it isn't what we say it's how it's interpreted and then we need to find out what that is i think that's the hardest part right i mean it's pretty easy Uh to say oh gosh i said that i didn't mean it you know, I apologize. I don't know what I was thinking. But when they when they blow up about something that you really are oblivious to, that's the real hard part. <laughs> right. It is. It is. And like you say, like not taking it personally. Like uh, sometimes we think it's all about us, and you're giving a perfect example of how, <laughs> no, it had something to do about their past relationship or their childhood or something. And we think it's and when we're in relationship, we think it's us. Right. So, yeah, that's a huge part. And I know when I work with families, uh, especially couples, too, uh, and that happens where they get triggered by one another, then I work with, with them to find out where that's coming from, you know, that it's not coming from the relationship. The relationship just stimulated it. But mm-hmm. what the real problem, where, where the, the source of it is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Relationships aren't easy. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> they no, are no. not easy. Another one of them, I like uh, step four, you talk about uh, be clear about your limits. I think that's that's another one. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of recognizing that even as I'm trying to train my golden retriever and I have this new trainer and I'm realizing, <laughs> be clear about your limits. You know, get on my bed. No, don't get on my bed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, I mean, be clear about your limits with with all your relationships, but especially with your, your teens, right? Why don't you talk a little bit about that one? Okay. Yeah, that's a big one because, of course, as we know, teenagers want more freedom. They want less limits. So they're not a kid anymore, and they're maybe not going along with all your rules. And so, but they still need limits. And so it's kind of, uh, as a parent, you're going through a transition phase where you're looking at, okay, what are the limits that I absolutely have to have with my teen? Mm-hmm. Now, what's my value system? I need them in at this certain time at night. I need them to, excuse me, do their homework. I need, you know, them to get certain grades. I need them to uh, do chores around the house, whatever the basic limits are. And to know that uh, you're also going to be giving them some freedom, too, that they're going to be trusted with some freedom, and that it's also part of their responsibility to be accountable. And I think this is, this is a big thing that I think uh, I've found with parents is that uh, they feel like they have to set all the limits, but I think 
the teenagers or the young college students need to also say what their point, what their part of the process is going to be. In other words, if I uh, want to change this rule, mom and dad, and have more uh, freedom, then I'm going to do this in return. In other words, uh, I'm going to, you know, do well in school, I'm going to follow your other rules, but I'd like to go to this party or I want to hang out with these friends or whatever. And that the parents sit down and negotiate. Right. And let, let them be some freedom. I mean, you know all about that. Right, right. So, you know, teens need it for, and young adults for their maturity. They need to experience these things. Right, and I think it gives them um, a better self-concept if they're sitting down with their parents and saying, look, you know, this is what I would like to do. And then the parents go, well, this is what I need from you. Like, if you're going to take the car and you want the car on the weekend, I need to have you check in with me, you know, at 9 o'clock, and I need you to be home by 11 or whatever it is. And then say, and just let me know where you are so that I don't worry about you or things like that. I have to laugh because when when my son is in, and now he's in his 30s, but when he comes in from New York City and he's staying at my house, I go... You know, I go, just just tell me about when you're going to come in so I don't stay up all night worrying. He goes, Mom, I've been living on my own for a long time. I live in New York City. I said, yeah, but when uh, when you're here, then I worry. Otherwise, I don't have to worry about it. So it's, it's yeah. like, you know, parents worry. And um, yeah. you have to kind of say, you know, this is all about me caring about you and, and mm-hmm. just being fair to me and I'll be fair to you. Exactly. It's like each person in the family has a kind of, for lack of a better word, responsibility to be kind to one another and to notice what other people need as well. You know, we don't live in an island in a family. Right. So, it's back to that respect, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really important. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how, like you said, you know, that's how our teens and our young adults learn respect for themselves as well, which then gives them more self-esteem because they've been allowed to be respected. And then I think when we actually respect our teens and our young adults, then they feel better about themselves. Like, oh, yeah, yeah my opinion counts. Right. I think the real scary one, uh, you know, when I'm looking at your list, your step eight is uh, drug and alcohol abuse. I think that's a a very scary one. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? That one is like kids will say, oh, mom, I don't do drugs. Or, you know, they're going to just tell you, oh, I wouldn't do that. And then, you know, you know, you're worried about who they hang out with and all those different things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and unfortunately, it is a really big problem. There's so, so many. There's um, prescription drugs available at the high schools now. I had a one of my clients. She, she was able to. Um, she got in trouble, but she was able to purchase some prescription drugs for three dollars. Uh. I mean, this is this is huge. This is not some minor thing. This is very, very scary and upsetting. And I think. You know, as we all know, we look for in our teens any change in their behavior. If they if they're being more reclusive, hiding from us, saying, "Oh yeah, I'm fine," and yet you notice they're having mood swings, or you know, 
They seem to be hanging out with kids you don't know. These are all signs you need to pay attention. Right. And uh, I think, um, you know, they're so susceptible that it's almost like I believe that we have to be more vigilant with our teenagers than we often were with our grade school kids because uh, they there's a world out there that's so dangerous. And they're not really, as we know, you know, their brains aren't fully developed. Right. So they don't. You know, they don't always know their own limits, and they think, okay, I can try this. I want to belong to the group. I'm, you know, I want to hang with my friends. I want to do this. And yet, uh, they're not very capable of it, really. So they need us to be uh, really looking after and saying, okay, really? Uh, you're, you're, you're looking a little bit foggy in the eyes. What's going on? Yeah, and of course, and of course, they're going to deny it. They're going to deny. Of course, they're going to deny it. That's that's their job, (laughs) right? But but our job is to go. Okay, no, we're we're going to look at this a little bit stronger, and you know, you just have to keep walking through it and not reacting, trying to be non-judgmental but firm, and say and going to really what's the symptom. What's the reason why why they are choosing the drugs? What's going on? You know, right. that's really the key part for me. Yeah. Um, you know, to find out what's why did they do this? What's going on? Those conversations. And I think it's scary for parents when their kids go off to college because they have they're not seeing them that often. You know. And right. and so they don't. They might talk to them on the phone, or the, but knowing kids nowadays, they probably don't even talk to them on the phone much. They, you know, they're no. going to be texting them. I guess they're going to have to, you know, Skype with them to see what's going on and and yeah. see that. But um, I, I think that's really scary. I think it's a it's a real tough one because um, the kids are gonna are definitely going to hide it from you. And, and like you said, now the prescription drugs, we know what happened recently with Prince, right? Yes, exactly. And, exactly. Um, and so many other um, celebrities that just overdose, and that's the end. And they don't even realize it, and they just think, well, if it's a prescription drug, it's not an illegal drug, and... Uh, you know, we'd almost be better off having them just have a little marijuana than than, than some right. of these really dangerous oh. prescription drugs. Oh, I know. Yeah. I know. It's, yeah, it is, it is a big problem, and I think it's, uh, but, it, you know, it's kind of a society problem, too, and so the family's involved in a society problem, you know, that... Uh, more and more of this is available and the, the schools don't always know how to handle it or it's too big or too right. involved. So that's where parents, you know, I, I always suggest to parents that they, you know, connect with other parents and right. get support from one another or relatives and, and, and get some other, you know, help so that, you know, even counseling, if, if your child is really using drugs, get some help. Yeah. You know, uh, really reach out, you know, for others because uh, it, it's really hard to keep track of everything. You can't do it all. Parents are working and they have other children and, 
you know, it's to have somebody else in your court or friends mm-hmm. to help through it is really important. I know. Our law enforcement agency down here is really trying to educate parents, you know, with, um, you know, drug abuse is life abuse. And, uh, uh, you know, and yeah. they're trying to do things and going into the schools and educate. But, um, you know, I, I think it's a, a real tough problem. I mean, do you think when, you know... It, if you find drugs in the house or in their backpack or something, that's at least easy to start talking about it. I mean, you got it right. right there. And right. luckily, I didn't have that problem with my kids, thank God. But I, I know of other people who have had that problem. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's it's like they just are, they don't know what to do. Do you suggest that they get drug tested, that they take their kids for drug testing? Well, uh, I do suggest that with parents, but it's probably not the first thing that I would suggest. Right, right. Because then the kid's just going to get automatically feel embarrassed, feel, uh, start getting defensive, you know, pull away. I mean, I'm not saying don't do it, but it's not the first thing. I think the first thing is to sit down and go, okay, let's calmly talk about this. You know, we need honesty here. We need to know who you got this from, and if you're not going to tell who, then how you got it, and walk through the whole scenario. And because the more information you can get, then you can say, okay, what's our plan now? Do I need to have you drug tested? Is that what we need to do? In other words, engage the teen and say, you know, uh, what's, you know, what do you think would be the solution? I'm not saying you're going to do what the teen says, but you're going to at least get their opinion and say, okay, well, I did this because, um, you know, I'm feeling a lot of pressure at school and I've got all these kids that um, are you know, kind of expecting me to do it. Right, the peer pressure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, try to get to the bottom and say, okay, what can we do to help you so that you're not turning in this direction? Right, right. And and then if it's really severe and you think you need them drug tested, you know, then do that. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't go right in their face with right, that. Right, right, right. That would be you know? one of the last resorts if you can't get any th- any help from them or get some help from counselors. One yeah. of the things that that um, I think is t- terrifying nowadays, and we've heard about so many suicides, is this the bullying stuff that goes on, and yeah. a lot of kids don't even tell their parents about it. So. Um, what what kind of advice do you have for parents when they think that perhaps there's bullying going on? Well, first of all, like I said, sometimes they don't even tell their parents there's bullying. They feel embarrassed or they don't want to talk about it or they don't, you know, I think the first thing is if they do, the parents find out somehow, either it slips somehow or their kid tells them about it. Um, and if it's somebody at the school, then I think it's really important that they go right to the school officials and say what's happening, especially yeah. if it's happening on school grounds. Right, they right. need to know. And now a lot of the, I know the high schools do have 
kind of program set up for that. And um, I know my daughter's high school had a whole program for bullying, and they had some steps that they worked with for that. So if it's happening in the school, I would definitely go there and see what kind of um, advocates are there. And I know we hear the terrible stories, but I think when parents can go in and if they can find somebody there that's an advocate for their teen or they can find um, what's going on in a situation that they're getting bullied. In other words, uh, you know, it's kind of like I think, you know, when we it goes back to limits again that we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. all... All the teens need limits, and these bullies either don't have limits in their life or uh, maybe they've been abused themselves in their homes, and so they're uh, bullying at school. So you never know exactly why they're doing it, but somehow those limits have been, um, you know, I don't... Overstepped, yeah. Yeah. Well, we are, believe it or not, we are just out of time so i just okay. want yeah i just want to say that we've been speaking with christine alisa and she's the author of these two books wondrous places of the heart alternative therapy with children and your amazing itty bitty communicating with teen your teen book which is great with these 15 essential steps to help you to know what to do and how to look at these things and what to you know some solutions so christine thank you so much for joining us and we will keep in touch okay all right thank you so much for having me Mari. okay take care bye-bye and keep up the great work all right (laughs) thanks a lot you too (laughs) bye-bye bye-bye some people die for love and i believe it's true because i do the same for you The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.